Well, hey, everybody, once again, good morning. Welcome or welcome back to St. Mark. Great to be with you guys as we continue this series called the five love languages. This is a, it's a really, it's a, it's a neat concept. The whole idea is, is that uh, we need to learn to love one another um, in the ways they give and receive love. This is a concept developed by a guy named Dr. Gary Chapman, and he realized that there are five different ways that people tend to give and receive love, and they are gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. And that you have a primary way, that you have a preferred way that you do one of these things. But that also means there's a four out of five chance that the person next to you or the person that you do life with, the person you're married to or your kids or whoever, that they have a different love language than you do. And what ends up happening is we end up talking past each other. But the good news is, as Dr. Chapman notes, is that uh, we can learn to become fluent in somebody's love language. But we're taking it a step further beyond just our relationships with each other and the people in our lives. We're also considering how has God, who is love, how has God loved us with these love languages, and then, and then, and then, how we can respond to him in kind to flourish in that relationship. So it's a very, very practical kind of a series that we're in. And today we're specifically looking at the love language of acts of service. Serving the people around you, doing the dirty work, the hard job that no one else wants to do, elbow grease, right? Sweat equity, right? Do, do, to, this, so this is mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, walking the dog. Like when you have to throw something away, instead of seeing if you can balance it on top of the trash can, and therefore I don't have to take out the trash, it actually means picking it up and tying the trash can and taking out, or, or parents in the room, if you see uh, the sagging diaper, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you look over and you see the sagging diaper and you're like, it can hold a few more minutes. Like, <laughs> it's still good. Instead of doing that, or you smell it too, right? Uh, but instead of doing that, you actually change the diaper instead of waiting for your spouse to come home when they will, you know, see it and do it. Uh, that, that, this is the kind of what we're talking about with acts of service. And we understand this, right? Like we have military service. They do hard work or, or service industries. They do kind of the, the behind the scenes work. We understand that this is like, like a public service, like what this entails and what goes into acts of service. And if you have the love language of acts of service, um, a, a hint is like, maybe you're wondering, maybe this is me or not. If you get really upset when people don't pull their weight, if you get really upset by lazy people, or if there's something in the floor and everybody just kind of walks around it and you're finally the one, if that gives you the theory of a thousand sons, might I suggest that you have the love language of acts of service? Who actually, who here thinks that they have the, uh, that this is their love language? Acts of service. You're raising your wife's hand. Okay. <laughs> That's good, Isaac. Good to know. Good to know. You need to be paid, taking notes today. Uh, all right. Okay. And notice this, though, about the people who raised their hands. Uh, they they kind of didn't want to, right? Because that goes with this love language. There's this, like, apprehension, like, I don't 
want to talk about it. I don't want people to know that I do this. I want to be kind of behind the scenes. I don't like the spotlight. I just like to do my thing and help everyone out and then just kind of go about my business. There's this this ability that you kind of want a little bit of privacy and secrecy with your love language. But if you look at them, this is the only love language where you can do that. Acts of service is the only love language where we try to do this in private or behind the scenes. You can't really, you know, touch somebody secretly. (laughs) You can't spend quality time with somebody without them knowing it. I mean, like, you can give, like, a secret Santa gift, like, a a gift. But, like, most of we want, I got this gift because I thought of you, and I bought this for you, right? And so we give them a gift. But, but again, it's out there. It's in public. Acts of service is kind of this thing that lingers underneath the surface and in the backgrounds. And that kind of becomes a problem, as we'll see. We have people who do this all the time in the church, right? Like, the, the the pumpkin gourds thing that's out in the, the front door out there. I, don't, I think that's a gourd, right? That's a gourd. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, that whole decoration, the seasonal decoration, there's, there's a couple people that do that. Nobody tells them to. They just looked around at me like, I really would like this entrance to be decorated. And they do it. There's a guy who gets here very early on Sunday mornings, every once in a while, and he picks up the trash in the parking lot. And I've caught him a couple times, and I've thanked him. But, like, he just does this, and nobody told him to. He just wants to take care of his church. Um, y'all remember when we had a summer VBS here, right? Like, we had the rocket on the stage and the kids program all something for the week, and we rocked it out for kids. You guys remember, right? Okay. Uh, on the front doors, speaking of the front doors, we, we painted a whole space scene, and we had, like, space characters and planets and all that kind of stuff. You guys remember that? And we were like, oh, this is awesome. And then we were like, oh, wait, we have to clean this up. And our youth and family director, Ashley, was like, I don't know when I have time to do this. I've never done that. i got to scrape that kind of paint off. Like, this is going to take some time. Well, somebody with the love language of acts of service overheard that. And in the cover of darkness, snuck into the church. They had like a key fob, right? And they, they came into the church where no one else was here, and they scraped off and cleaned the entire window in this like covert clandestine operation that they didn't want anyone to know. And then we come in the next day in the office, and we're like, who, who did that? Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. Did you do that? No, I didn't do that. And we were like, I, it was a case of who done it. So we actually got on the computer and looked up like the logbook, who was this person? And we caught him and we thanked him. But that's the thing. Acts of service is this like group of people who like tend to want to kind of be in the background. They want to do the thing, but it becomes a problem. This is like your strength is your weakness, right? And, and when you do this over and over and over, and you kind of do it behind the scenes, multiplied over years and decades, it can actually build resentment. Well, nobody notices when I do this. If I wasn't here, this place would fall apart. Nobody has any idea how much I do for them. Right? Or on the flip side, I've heard this in counseling sessions. I, I wash the car for you. I do the dishes. I mow the lawn. I pay the bills. How can you say I don't love you? I do all of that for you. 
And it's this feeling of being overlooked or being a doormat. And this breeds this resentment because we like to serve behind the scenes. And that's why, like a very, very simple way, if you have the love language of acts of service or you're in a relationship with somebody whose love language is acts of service, listen, you've got to talk about it. This doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out conversation. It can be quick, but you've got to talk about it at least once. People who love with acts of service need to talk about their acts of service. They have to. And and this is what it's all it has to be. Hey, 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 this is my love language. I love serving. What can I do that would best show you how much I love you? That's it. And if they're like, oh my goodness, if you would do the laundry, that would it'd be a game changer. I would I would just feel so much love. Or on the flip side, okay, okay, you serve all the time. And what, what, how, what way, what love language, or I'm sorry, what way of active service are you doing that is not for you or not for us, but for me, so I know that you're, you're telling me you love me? Have that conversation. It's quick, it's easy. And then when they fold your laundry, when they vacuum, you will hear them say, I love you. It's that easy. My friends, it is so easy to overlook servants. It's it's easy to miss service. Like, it's it's easy, easy to overlook a servant. And this is actually something that Jesus pointed out. So in this biography of Jesus written by a first century follower named John, he records this this moment in Jesus' ministry where it was a a remarkable display of service and then this profound and powerful teaching on service that we can apply not only to our relationships of acts of service with each other, but also helps us consider how God has served us and how we can give acts of service to God. So this is the night uh, that Jesus is going to be arrested Um, They're celebrating this Passover meal. And in John chapter 13, we we get this note. Here's here's how it starts out in verse 4. Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he walks over to the the corner and he grabs the bowl from the servant who's quietly sitting in the corner and he grabs this bowl and he starts walking around the table washing their feet. Any volunteers? Okay. That feeling you're feeling right now of no possible way am I going up there That feeling that you're feeling right now is everything that the disciples are feeling times 100, okay? It's really hard for us to culturally understand this. It's foot washing in general. Like, as ridiculous as I look, that's how ridiculous their rabbi, their teacher, their Lord looked, putting on a servant's towel. Foot washing was this important hygiene practice, 
because everyone walked around with open-toed sandals. And the roads were sometimes paved, but they were very dirty, and animals used them. And animals used them. (laughs) Right? And so, like, your feet would get very dirty, get a couple cuts, infection. Back then, they didn't have antibody. I mean, like, that is the kind of thing that could end your life, just that you had a cut on your foot, and you walked through some animal dung. And so foot washing was very, very important. But, but foot washing was so dirty, so gross, that even Israelite Hebrew servants like if you were like a servant for seven years and you were waiting for your year of release, that was after seven years where you could have freedom again. Um, even if you were an Israelite servant, this was considered beneath you, washing feet, because it was just that gross. And so foreign, foreign servants would have this job. And uh, they didn't have chairs around tables. They had kind of like these reclining sofas where you'd kind of lounge on your left side and eat with your right hand, and your feet would be sticking out away from the table. And so the servant would walk around during the meal and wash everybody's feet while they were eating. And this was not like a luxury thing like getting a petty, right? Like this is not, you know, like I'm getting pampered right now. This is a necessity. But here's Jesus all of a sudden walking up and washing their disciples' feet. Now, one other side note, Judas was there. Judas was there. Judas had already collected money, betraying Jesus, telling the religious leaders when and where they could arrest him in private. Judas was there, and Jesus still washed his feet. What a servant's heart. So he washes their feet, and he goes around down the line, and he gets to Peter, and just for the sake of time here, Peter is like, no, don't wash my feet. And uh, he's like, never, Lord. And he's like, unless I wash your feet, then you have no part with me, you know. And he's making a metaphor statement there. And Peter's like, fine. And so finally he gets done and he washes everybody's feet. And there's this pregnant pause in the room. Kind of like right now. Puts the towel down. Grabs his clothes. Gets dressed. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. I like to think that he just kind of sits there in this moment and then he says, do you understand what I have done for you? This is a rabbi, a rabbinic teaching style. It's a question. He wants you to think. Do you understand what I've done for you? And while they're all trying to figure it out, he's like, okay, let me help you out, guys. You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your master, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. 
You're following me. I'm your Lord. You are followers of Jesus. You're following me. And if you're not, if if you're serving yourself, you're not following me. I'm going to lead you into service of other people. This is who I am. This is what I do. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I am the suffering servant that was prophesied. This is what I do. Follow me in service of others. And there is nobody, nobody too low for you to serve. See, guys, you you try to climb the ladder. You try to get higher, but you can't climb the ladder. There's eventually this point where you can't climb any higher on the social ladder, but you can always lower yourself on the ladder to serve someone beneath you. Now that I, your king, your lord, your teacher, your master, your rabbi have served you, you serve someone beneath you. And race, and class, and culture, and sinfulness, and lifestyle Serve them as I have done for you. It's powerful. And then he ends it with this, sta- this statement. Uh, this is kind of like, in case you missed it, everything I said, guys. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. And there it is. This is how God has loved you with acts of service. You're going, well, he's never washed my feet. (laughs) Jesus is the suffering servant. That's what one of the prophecies is. He's the suffering servant. And his entire life is a life of service to you. Uh, Theologians, they kind of talk about how he has the state of humiliation and we see Jesus with the state of exaltation. But his entire ministry is a state of humiliation. He is humiliated again and again for you over and over. You can't have humility without being humiliated. And again and again, he is humiliated for you. We heard in the reading, he humbles himself, taking on the form of a servant. He is God veiled in flesh with all the constraints of humanity. He is God, and now he sweats, gets pimples, gets sick in service to you. He is God, born into poverty in service to you. He carries your sickness in service to you. He carries your sin in service to you. He dies your death in service to you. And then when he rises from the dead, state of exaltation, there we, there we see him again. And he gives you life and service to you. Though your sin is filthy compared to his holiness, worse than dirty, dusty feet could ever be, he washes you in service to you. He has loved you again and again with acts of service. Don't miss it. It's easy to overlook a servant. 
Don't miss it. He is telling you again and again, I love you. And so he sets an example that you should do as I have done for you. And this is how you can respond, by loving him with acts of service. In Matthew 25, he kind of rephrases this, and he says it explicitly and directly in Matthew 25. Truly I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these, to people beneath you, to the prisoner, to the foreigner, to the stranger, to the homeless, to the person who mistreats you, whatever you did to the least of these You did, not in my behalf, not in my name, not for me. No, 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 no. Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. And just sit on that for a second, because it goes both ways. However you mistreated them, however you overlooked them, however you denied them, Whatever you did to those beneath you, you did to me. That's either really, really good news or really tragic, isn't it? So listen, listen. It might look like a toilet brush in your hand. It might Look like a dirty diaper you're holding. It might look like a trash bag in your hands that you're tying. But make no mistake. It is the Lord's foot in your hand. And when you love him, with acts of service to others, he hears you say, I love you. I heard a quote this week. I thought it was awesome. Basically, when someone asks you if you're a Christian, tell them to ask your neighbor and see what they think. I like that. I like that. And so our challenge this week is simple. It's for you to love Jesus with acts of service. Your, your, your challenge this week is to love Jesus with acts of service by surprising someone this week with an act of service. There you go. That's your challenge this week. That's it. All I want you to do to live out this message, to try it on, to see what it's like, is to go out there and surprise somebody with an act of service, okay? Maybe this is somebody you do life with all the time, right? And like you just, you're going to do something out of the ordinary with somebody that you live the ordinary with. Maybe this is somebody out there in the periphery that you haven't done an act of service for, and you just want to do something for them. Surprise them. They don't have to know about it. We've already covered that. But just surprise them. If, if, if you're struggling with, like, you know, like, I, I'm not physically able to move around, bake some cookies, right? Uh, buy a meal for somebody. I, I, 
mow the lawn, take out the neighbor's trash, take the neighbor's trash can back up to their house after trash day, surprise somebody with an act of service, mow your lawn, and then when you get done, mow your neighbor's lawn, surprise somebody with an act of service. And this is not just mowing or vacuuming or doing the dishes for the sake of doing the dishes. Like, no, no, no. Do it so that they see Jesus. Do it in Jesus' name so that you see Jesus in them and they see Jesus in you. That's it. That's your job this week. Nice and easy. So who is it for you? I mean, like, really, no. Like, I'm not, don't pass the buck to the person next to you, the person behind Everyone else will do this. I'm not going to. No, really. Who? Who? Who is somebody you can surprise this week with an act of service? And if you're struggling to figure out the answer, maybe we should pray about it. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you, God, for sending your son to be our servant. (laughs) Who are we? Who are we that, that you would serve us? He became man. He gave himself again and again and again in service to us. Thank you. Far be it from us to hear a whole message on this and to not just say in our hearts, thank you for serving us. And God, help us live this out. I mean, like in the people in our lives, like especially in our relationships, our spouses, acts of service, help us just have this conversation so we don't miss the love that they're showing us so we can hear clearly they, that they are telling us they love us. And so just help us have that conversation. But then God, who is it you want us to serve this week? You obviously want us to serve you. You set an example that we should do as you have done for us. And so who is it, God? Who is somebody in our life that we can surprise with service this week? Startle them with an act of service. Who, who is it? Would you show us, Lord? Then come by your Holy Spirit right now and show us again what it is we can do. If it's big, if it's small, what is it we can do to serve them and to be of service?